This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's up, man? How you doing? Feeling better than I thought it would be at the bye. Uh, when Zach Wilson came in, I thought, oh boy, here comes the roof caving in, and uh, there's some cracks in the foundation, but we still have a roof among us uh, for the time being, especially against a gauntlet of quarterbacks that we face, which we'll dive into that comment from Robert Sala pretty soon, won't we, Justin? That we will. We got we got some fun stuff planned. We are going to talk about some some weird, unfounded criticism, I guess, of Robert Sala. But more importantly, we're talking about changes the Jets can make at the bye week, because even though they are three and three, and this is probably better than a lot of people thought they would be after Aaron Rodgers went down, especially with wins over the Bills and the Eagles. There's still some changes we want to be made. And then, of course, we're closing off the show, if you've seen the title, with some midseason awards. It's kind of midseason. It's bye week, whatever. Just kind of, you know, running through some some awards like. Like the Grammys, I don't know what would you what would you call this, Mike? The the Jetties, the Grammys, the Oscars, the Golden Globes. No, no, what would you call what would you call this one? The Jetties, CMA the, Awards, BET Awards. I don't know the. Oh, oh he needs like a catchier name. Okay, yeah, uh, like what do you the 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 TJP Award? The, the, the I'm thinking like something Jets like like the not the Salas the oh yeah the Woodies. We can't do that. Sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> the, Woodies. <laughs> the Woodies is so good. It's awful, but so good. Oh God. All right. Well, well. All right. So award show to be named <laughs> later. We'll do it. Then we'll come up with the name later. That's how a lot of professional shows operate. So we'll do that. But uh, before that. I got a message. I love, I love, I love the Woodies. I'm just, I'm just off the rails three minutes in. So let's get back on the rails and I'll tell you about our friends over at DraftKings because DraftKings is running a new promotion that you do not want to miss. New users can place a $5 bet to instantly claim 200 bucks in bonus bets. And you'll be rewarded with a separate no sweat single game parlay every single day. When you opt in, all you have to do is sign up with our code FS bets. That is F S B E T S. Using the code not only gets you the bonuses, but it directly supports the podcast, and that's how you want to show your support. We are very thankful for that. If you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use the code FSBETS to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 or older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We're on all those sites and YouTube and TikTok. Both of them are at the Jet Press. Make sure you give us a subscribe or a follow over there. We would very much appreciate it. Make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Again, just to get us up the review charts, not for ego-stroking reasons. So now that the housekeeping is out of the way, let's dive right into more complaining and whining from Philadelphia fans. Uh, does that sound outrageous? Now, normally it, the rancor is directed at their own. As we know, Philly fans are a, a fickle bunch who can be uh, who can sour on people easily. 
don't you and you live very close to philly is that correct? that is right i live in especially i grew up too in new jersey kind of on the divide between north and south like kind of right in the middle so even though central jersey does exist i'm sorry i'm just gonna say it there is a central jersey but i'm still right in the middle geographically of north and south so i got new york and philly both mashing together at the same time so i got the full front of fan bases that can sour on people very quickly my entire life growing up uh philly fans are among them even philly media is among them because robert sala in a rare moment of i guess emotion or just satisfaction he comes out in the post-game press conference and Salah's not a talker outside of the keeping receipts uh comment from last year which again he kind of backed up earlier before everything completely just calamitously messed up they were winning games early on. And then I think I remember when Sauce was breaking out, he just went, hey, keep trying them in a uh, post-game press conference. So outside of that, there's really not a lot of Rex Ryan-y shit talking. Then he comes out and he talks about how he embarrassed the gauntlet of quarterbacks he faced. And by his own admission, Dak, Dak got him. And I don't think anybody's going to deny that. And Mac Jones beat him, although he didn't play very well. But... He did play against the top three MVP finishers from last year, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts. Not the exact order, but that those are the top three. And he allowed three touchdown passes and eight interceptions. So three multi-turnover games against three elite quarterbacks, including two of them who lost. I'd say that counts as an embarrassment for guys of their stature. Then Philly, in their post-game show, goes on the, ra- uh, the radio, what am I saying? <laughs> on, on TV, on NBC Sports, and they say, I can't stand Robert Sala, which immediately just really made my eyebrows perk up. I'm like, huh? I'm not saying that Philly fans got to love the opposing team's coach, especially after he won, and I'm not trying to just run PR for Robert Sala here, but this is a guy who, if anything, is too nice of a guy half the time. A lot of our criticisms have been that he is not critical enough of some of his players totally nice guy energetic guy not but not in a boastful way like in a in an excited kind of way this just seemed like all right philly can you guys stop crying for a little bit i know you're going to be better than us in the regular we're not doubting that just this seemed kind of weird yeah i mean it's just loser behavior right that, that's that's literally what it is robert sala had every right to talk smack and i'm glad he did because his defense did embarrass three elite quarterbacks. And I know he walked back those comments yesterday. I think it was on NFL Network where he's like, eh, I probably shouldn't have said the word embarrassed. No, no, you were absolutely right. You should have said that. Basically, he forced all three of those quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts to, to throw three interceptions each. I know Mahomes had that one call back, but just a ton of turnovers from, from all three of them. We talked about this in the, in the past on this show, this Jets defense has a knack for making elite quarterbacks make really, really dumb mistakes. And they, they either, they try to take too many shots. They're too aggressive. And this Jets defense punishes quarterbacks for doing that. So I, I have zero issue with anything Robert Sala said. I think anyone who does have an issue is just fans of the opposing team who are clearly just sore losers. Like that's, that's all it is. That's what it is. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's, those are silly comments. I don't know what else to say about it, but it's just, it's dumb. Uh, and look, the Eagles, like you said, Mike, they're, they're a great team. They were undefeated for a reason. They are a better team than the, than the Jets. But that doesn't mean anything. Like, and I also hate the narrative. And some Eagles fans, I've seen this on Twitter, being like, oh, you know, the Jets didn't beat us. We beat ourselves. Like, Jalen Hurts beat the Eagles. No. Like, you might, you might have a case if the Jets' defense didn't also make Josh Allen do that and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, if it's not for the, for the, for the, the questionable calls 
in that Kansas City game, we might be sitting here talking about how the Jets' defense single-handedly or almost single-handedly carried them the wins over to Bills, Chiefs, and Eagles, where they embarrassed all three of those quarterbacks. So, no, the Eagles didn't beat themselves just like the Bills didn't beat themselves, and and the, the Chiefs didn't almost beat themselves. It was the Jets' defense. That's that's what it was. The Jets beat them. The Jets forced those those turnovers. They forced those mistakes. They weren't unforced. They weren't unprompted because this has become a trend with the Jets' defense, and Honestly, I'm excited to see what they do against Justin Herbert in a couple weeks because it might be the same thing. Scott Liberty coming out early in chat saying he shouldn't have used the word embarrassed. I mean, that's what that's what he did. What what else do you call those performances? It was embarrassing for them. That doesn't mean that Josh Allen and Mahomes and Hurts are bad now. That doesn't mean that they're going to 100 percent be better than them in the regular season. It, It that's why it was impressive. That's why it was embarrassing because. I think everybody knows that they're an inferior roster compared to Kansas city and Buffalo and Philadelphia and a thousand percent. It's a quarterback imbalance between the jets and Buffalo, Kansas city, Philadelphia. That's why it's an embarrassment. It was a five and O team. The only unbeaten team going against the two and three team. that was limping into the bye with everybody hurt sauce Gardner, DJ Reed. You lose some offensive linemen, Tittman, Vera Tucker. Like this was, I heard Eagles fans. Oh, we're, they're playing our backups. You're playing the Jets backups too. Were, it was backups uh, on backups. They were playing a starting cornerback who had who had been signed in a practice squad eleven days before that. Like both teams were beat up. Both teams both teams were incredibly beat up. Look, I'm of the belief that if you can back it up, talk as much shit as you want. That's that's always been my belief with sports. When it comes to players, coaches, I don't care. Talk as much shit if you can back it up on the field then I don't care. That's why I, I, I have nothing against like Jalen Ramsey, someone like Jalen Ramsey, who has talked shit for so many years, but he's also one of the best cornerbacks in NFL history. Like he's, he's phenomenal. He's been great for a long time. I have no issue with that. I do have an issue with someone like Eli Apple, who, you know, maybe talks some shit that he can't back up. That's one thing. You could maybe say the same thing about CJ Gardner Johnson. I know he's had some run-ins with like Sauce Gardner, and now he's going at it with Debo Samuel. Like there's a line for sure, but as long as you're backing it up on the field, Talk your talk, man. Talk your smack. Scott again comes back. Didn't you say he walked the comment back? I mean, yeah, he did say embarrassed may have been not the choice of words he wanted, but I honestly think that's probably just, that seems a little Robert Sala PR. Robert Sala is very conscious of of how things he says are perceived. Like that's why I think his press conferences are very boring and we're proud of this young man. He goes, everybody young men. And it's very diplomatic. Like I think he just said, you know what? All right. Maybe I should have taken some of the edge off. But I think deep in his heart of hearts, he could say it's an emotional moment, but he was calmed down. That was a post-game press conference. That wasn't on the field right after the interception. I think he had enough time to think about it. So Look, look if Sean Payton came out and had the Broncos playing like one of the best offenses in football and they were 6-0 and right now, nobody would give a shit about what he said about Nathaniel Hackett because he'd be backing it up. He would have said, hey, that guy sucked. I'm going to do a better job. And then he did do a better job. But the fact that his team still sucks is why everyone hates him. <laughs> like, if you are going to talk smack, you have to back it up. That's It's as simple as that. So if the Jets defense now comes out and they get embarrassed, yeah, those solid comments are going to look really stupid. And, and that's that's why people got on DJ Reed's case for saying the thing about the Bears defense, like saying, oh, you know, the Jets can be as good as the Bears defense, you know, was, was 85, 86, whatever it was. Um, and then the Jets defense, you know, admittedly, I would say has fallen short of those expectations, which they probably always were, uh, albeit against great competition. But as long as you back it up, as long as you can can back up what you're saying, who cares? And I would say, yeah, right now, the Jets have played three of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and they've made all of them look silly. Now, one thing the Jets need to do to avoid future embarrassment, 
We'll be making some changes now that the bye week is here. The Jets are 3-3, three and three, a record that even if they had Aaron Rodgers, I feel like a lot of Jets fans would have been happy with 3-3 three and three, because even with Rodgers, there were a lot of fans who said, you know what, Kansas City is going to be a tough game, Philadelphia is going to be a tough game, and Dallas is going to be a tough game. And because of that, I know that, they, that New England, obviously they win with Rodgers there, but 3-3 three and three, by no means the end of the world. And in an AFC that is a complete miasma right now that is totally wide open, Jets are by no means dead. I don't think they're going to win the division. Miami is Miami's a cut above. I think we'll find out how much of a cut above they are when the Jets end up playing Miami. But I think the Jets are firmly in the wild card hunt. And But, but they're not going to get there, in my opinion, unless they make a couple, not wholesale, but important changes. And one of them has been something that we have been screaming about for weeks and weeks and weeks. And maybe it'll finally crack through Nathaniel Hackett's extraordinarily thick skull at some point because after after weeks of you can't play Dalvin Cook, you can't play Dalvin Cook, gradually his snaps have reduced. Now, Cook looks marginally better, but again, that's like saying, do you want a crap sandwich or a crap sandwich with mustard? Like, it's not that much of an improvement. I always love your analogies, Mike. <laughs> it's Functionally, it's not as much of an improvement for Dalvin Cook. Uh, but he at least listened. I think he heard the outside door and said, all right, maybe let's just lean on Brees a little bit more. Let's not split with Cook. I don't know what language we need to describe this in, but he cannot, cannot continue playing Randall Cobb and expect this offense to, to work. I know Justin has an article up on the Jet Press describing just how bad Randall Cobb has been, but you don't even need some of the advanced stats Justin's going to throw out soon. You could just see three catches, barely catches any of the targets. He's not fast. He's not particularly athletic anymore. Even though he had some blocking ability back in his day, he's one of the worst blockers nowadays. Already caught the two-point conversion. I mean, what do you want, a cookie? You're supposed to catch two-point conversions with Randall Cobb. Like I have not seen that two point conversion may have been the best play he's had with the jets. And that's through six weeks as a number three receiver. It, was. it definitely was. There it's are number like, three receivers it, in this league that get like 800 yards. Number three receivers, the jets. What does he have? 30 yards? 20. Like It's 20. It's it, totally backwards. You, you can't continue this. He's showing you nothing. I don't know if Miko Harbin or Xavier Gibson or freaking Jason Brownlee or whoever would come in after that. I don't know if they would show you more, but you at least got to try. I believe you can make a case, and this is what I, I wrote in an article. I believe you can make a case that Randall Cobb is the worst player in the NFL right now. And if you're rolling your eyes at that and you're scoffing, let me let me read off some numbers to you. Like Mike said, I was going to. Let me read off some numbers because I don't think you can find a player in the NFL who plays as much as Cobb does, who is as who produces as little and offers as little value to his team as he does. Randall Cobb has three catches for 20 yards through six games on 12 targets, 12 targets, three catches, 20 yards. This is despite the fact that he's playing 49% of the Jets offensive snaps. In fact, in terms of yards or yards per round run or for per route run, there are, I think he is three times worse than any other receiver in the NFL. Three oh times less productive. He is averaging 0.16 yards per route run. I think there's only two other guys below 0.6. He's at 0.16, three times worse than any other receiver in the NFL. Imagine this in any other line of work. Imagine if you're a painter and you're trying to compete with somebody else and go, this guy paints houses three times worse than every other painter yeah. in this neighborhood. Like, and, and it gets how worse. does this happen? It gets worse because you could be like, oh, well, maybe they're just not throwing him. 
him the ball, or maybe he's not, maybe he's just not separating, but at least when they throw him the ball, he catches it. No, he has a 40% drop rate, which is the worst in the NFL. So when they do throw him the ball, he is the worst at catching it out of any wide receiver in the NFL. On top of that, you could be like, oh, well, maybe he provides value as a run blocker. Maybe, maybe he's got something there. No, out of 129 qualified wide receivers, his PFF run block grade ranks 129th. He's the worst run blocker at his position. He has the worst hands and he can't get open. He's providing nothing. I don't think you can find somebody in the NFL who is worse at what they're doing right now than Randall Cobb. And he's playing 49% of snaps. And if, if you care at all about regular PFF grade, he also ranks 111th out of 112. I don't even give a shit about that. If he ranked 30th, I'd be saying the same thing. Because I don't know how I don't know how you watch his film and see these stats and go, he's providing anything of value. He's providing literally nothing. And I'm telling you, any other wide receiver that they throw out there, Irv Charles, who's a glorified special teamer, they could start him in a slot. He would probably, no, 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 he would be better than what Randall Cobb is providing right now. He'd be better at least something. He'd be better at catching, getting open, or blocking. One of the three, because right now, Cobb is literally the worst at all three of those things. And those are the only three things that you should really care about as a wide receiver. So I... I think I think he's the worst player in the NFL. I'm with you, Mike. And we'll probably talk about him a little bit when we get to some of our awards, not the flattering ones. Uh, but yeah, I, I think absolutely you need to make a change here, whether you go out and, and get someone else, whether it's Xavier Gibson. Hell, you can activate Jason Brownlee. I don't I don't care what you can play. Sauce Gardner wide receiver. I don't care. Randall Cobb should not be on the field. Really make the Deion Sanders comparison work even more, put him at wide receiver like Deion. Uh the two things I want to go point out, one of them was made by a comment in chat I want to get to, and then the other one I want to just get my own personal feelings out. Like, Miko Harbin's probably not that great a wide receiver. There's a reason the Chiefs gave up on him, I think, even though they really need a wide receiver badly. And But but at least, they're not, again, like I said earlier, at least try. Miko Harbin hasn't played particularly well this year, but he's gotten so few snaps. Better than Randall Cobb. I guess. can't make an evaluation on it, and they give all these – Weird responses. This is what drove me nuts about Hackett. Well, we're not converting enough on third down. That does not make any sense. There's no correlation between Miko Hartman doesn't play enough snaps and we're not converting on third down. That's that's like saying we don't know we're not converting on third down because I don't know karate. There's there's no correlation between the two things. They're two completely separate different entities. The fact he keeps trying to mesh it together and use it as some justification without at least trying. Have Hardman run a 50-yard go around and let Zach chuck it deep to him. Let him get the ball on a screen. Like at least if he stinks and he fumbles the ball, like Dalvin cooked it against Dallas and you go, all right, now we know, but you don't know. And you're refusing to try because now, not because Randall Cobb's a known quantity, or maybe he is the known part of the quantity is that he's washed and they continue to put him out there. Like, like Scott Liberty, uh, again, in chat says he's only there because of Rogers. Like that would be acceptable if he was still just on the team, but like inactive every day is almost like an, an extra, like a highly paid assistant wide receivers coach who helps with morale, who helps with the finer points of things, who gives Garrett Wilson, a very young receiver with a similar skill set to, I think Cobb in his prime gives him some pointers. Like if he was doing that, I got no problems at Randall Cobb being on this team. He's the number three receiver on a team that wants to go to the playoff. They got to go play Miami. They got to go probably play Kansas City at Arrowhead if they sneak into the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to play that well at Arrowhead. That's a tough environment. They got to go play Buffalo in Buffalo. Like, that's the challenge that these guys got to overcome. And they're going into this big gunfight with that knife. And it makes no sense. 
and I've seen people push back on it because, of course, you know, with with Jets Twitter, with Twitter in general, everyone's going to have a like. There's always going to be one person that says the opposite of what you're saying. And the argument oh, was it that, that guy in your replies who was like, "Analytics don't tell the whole story." There was one of them. There was a few. Yeah, that was one person. Who's like, "What are these analytics?" And I'm like, "Dude, I literally showed his catches and and yards. What else, what more do you want?" Uh, but no, there's always people that push back. And I've seen some people be like, "Oh, you really think Randall Cobb's the biggest problem with the offense? We got bigger worries." First of all. I'm not even saying Randall Cobb is the biggest issue of the offense. He very well might be because anytime you got a guy out there who's a waste of space for half of your snaps, that's a problem. But even if he's not the biggest problem, it's still a very large problem because it does significantly impact the team. I love that, that Zach Rosenblatt of the Athletic tweeted this out earlier this week. Uh, the Jets EPA per play when Randall Cobb is on the field would rank 32nd by a mile, not even close, would rank dead last in the NFL. Meanwhile, when Xavier Gibson is on the field, they rank 12th. So yeah, it really does matter the personnel you have on the field, even if Cobb's doing nothing, because wide receiver is one of those positions that unless you're dropping passes, it can be hard to tell if you're bad at your job. And he like, is. <laughs> and he is dropping passes. And he, like he, he's barely getting targeted. When he is getting targeted, he's either dropping passes or whatever. But even still, he's horrible at his job. And, and the numbers show that. Like The Jets are the worst offense in the NFL when he's on the field. And it's not close. The second, the second next team is not close. Like, even if you're not throwing him the ball, him being out there is a net negative for the team. Just him playing 50% of snaps is killing them. So that like that has to change. And we, we're talking about three changes here. We've talked forever about the Randall Cobb one because it, I'm passionate about it. That and could it's be annoying. one and a half of the changes is just Cobb. I agree. Like, I, I think it's 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 such an obvious change. And, like, even if Xavier Gibson isn't that guy, even if Jason Brownlee isn't that guy or Nicole Harbin or whoever, they're going to be better than Randall Cobb. And if they're not, you go out and get a wide receiver, which they should have done already in the offseason. Should have signed DeAndre Hopkins. I will. I'm sorry. I will. I will not. I will die on that hill. I will forever die on that hill. But and now he's got to languish in in Tennessee. Uh, what are you going to say? And here's what's up. Here's what's up. I sent a tweet today about the OD because Odell like got into a fight or whatever. And I was like, really funny that, you know, the Jets were not funny, but really interesting that the Jets were interested, interested in throwing the bag at Odell, not like paying him top dollar, but given they were, they were interested in Odell, uh, but they weren't interested in Hopkins for like character concerns. Meanwhile, Odell getting in fights and he can't be on the field. Anyway, somebody replied and was like, Oh, what's Hopkins done this year? Dude's on pace for like 1,100 yards in a terrible passing offense. What do you mean what has he done this year? People look at his stats and like, oh, he's in one game over 100 yards. He's been good in a terrible passing offense. Like, oh, anyway. 36-year-old Ryan Tannehill is his quarterback. He's not prime Ryan Tannehill anymore, and he's still producing. Now he's got Malik Willis. (laughs) Hopefully it's Levis. I want to see him. But uh, what do you think the number two change should be? Something schematic, something on the defensive side of the ball? All right, let's see. I wrote down a few. Uh, the Cobb one was my number one. I'll, I'll, I'll go defense here, and I'll stick with, like, personnel stuff. I was very excited to see what Carl Lawson would do this season, and I was really hopeful because I loved that signing when it happened. I really did. I thought it was, was one of my favorite moves that the Jets have made in years. Unfortunately, the dude isn't healthy, and, you know, he wasn't healthy because at first because of the torn Achilles. The Jets restructured his contract this offseason, and I, I thought it was a good move. I, I genuinely didn't hate it at the time, even though they could have saved $15 million by cutting him. I really was like, I'm confident he's going to bounce back this year if he's healthy. And then he had the back injury, and he's clearly not healthy. I don't want to see Carl Lawson active on game base. It's as simple as that. I don't think he should be playing. I'm pretty sure he played like 25 snaps this last game. Will McDonald played like six. That can't be happening. The Jets pass rush is good. It's already very good. I want to see 
a pass rush without Carl Lawson in the game because he, he he's a complete neg- net negative. Like he just does not provide any value. He's the Randall Cobb of the defense. I'm pretty sure he has one pressure this season or whatever in like five games that he's played four games, whatever it is. Uh, he's just, he's not providing anything of value. Give his snaps to Will McDonald, give more to Bryce Huff, give it, give Bryce Huff as many snaps as you can even give him, you know, to, to Jermaine Johnson, whoever you're giving him to Carl Lawson should not be playing. And it, it really sucks like to say that. And it makes me really sad because I love Carl Lawson. One is a person. He's an awesome dude. And two, I just wish we could have seen a healthy Carl Lawson with the Jets. But I think it's come to the point where I'm I'm ready to give up on ever seeing that, whether it's because of the Achilles and now the back. Obviously, I imagine they'll try and find a trade partner. I don't think they'll find one because uh, it's just his contract and everything. Either way, there are 10 defensive linemen on the active roster right now. He's the worst of those 10. He should not be active on game days. I'll, I'll give myself some credit. I was I was big on get rid of him in the offseason. I was hammering that. And I was honestly thinking about Corey Davis, too, before we knew what happened with Corey Davis. By God, is he missed right now? Imagine if they had Corey Davis yeah. instead of Randall Cobb. But because the problem with Lawson, I mean, an Achilles number one is Aaron Rodgers that can attest to now. You know how bad an Achilles can be. And then people go, oh, it's a back injury. Like, it sounds dumb to say, but your back is like your whole body. Like, so if, that, if your back is hurting – just in terms of even if it's a minor irritation, a minor irritation in your back can like ruin everything. And so much of Lawson's. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Dude, this is amazing. We have breaking Jets wide receiver news again, again? on Twice. the show. Nicole Hardman is being traded to the Chiefs. He's being traded. That's to so Chiefs. funny. In, in a late round a late round pick it's swap. Amazing. So that's the end of Miko Hardman. Well, for, again, <laughs> forget what we said about Hardman. That's gone now. That's the second time with Hardman too, because Hardman was in the Elijah Moore thing. We, yeah, we need to we need to recap. So there's been an Elijah Moore trade live on the show right after we just talked about how Elijah Moore was, you know, not getting replaced by Miko Hardman. We had one of the we had the Denzel Mims thing that happened live on the show or something. No, that happened we, like an hour before the show. An hour before the, the show. Yeah. Every time there's Jets wide receiver news, it happens during the show. This is ridiculous. This is honestly insane. This is like the fifth time. It's crazy. Mike LaFleur got fired. Our first episode was don't yeah. necessarily fire Mike LaFleur. Then he got fired like right after it went up. But oh, I love this. This okay, is so, so Mika funny. Hardman is back to the Chiefs. Which uh, I'm not surprised. That, that they made the most sense to me of any landing spot. I mean, yeah, they need a speed guy. They needed just somebody who like some veteran out there because Kadarius Tony wasn't doing anything. Sky Moore hasn't developed like they thought he would. And Rasheed Rice is good, but he's got drop issues. But God, they, talk about two big whiffs from Joe Douglas between not cutting Lawson and then signing Hardman. I mean, two gigantic whiffs. And again, that's, that's why I'm so pissed about all this. They never gave him a chance to really make him make something of himself with the jets. I don't know what it was. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just literally just tweeting out about it. This <laughs> is so funny. I, uh, yeah, I, I really think, and I said this before, uh, that I think I think they brought him in, and then Xavier Gibson kind of just took his job. I, I really think that that's what happened. Did they even? Did Xavier not, Gibson doesn't play either, though. So I'm, I'm not, not anybody's job. I'm not fully justifying it, but I think Xavier Gibson kind of took the role they had envisioned for Michael Hardman, combined with the fact that they had to completely change their offensive philosophy after Aaron Rodgers went down. This is not me defending them, by the way, because they're playing Randall Cobb 49% of snaps. You're telling me they can't find a, a role for, for Michael Hardman? They absolutely could have. But I, I think that they brought him in with the expectation that he was going to play a larger role. 
then Xavier Gibson, they they realized that they had something in him. So they're like, okay, Gibson's going to be our return man, which I imagine Hardman was probably the favorite for that until Gibson took that job. And then Gibson was like, all right, maybe we can use this guy a little bit on offense. Uh, and then unfortunately the Rogers injury happened and they're like, oh, well, we don't really even need that role in the offense at all now. Now it's just kind of, we're going heavy on two, three tight ends. And unfortunately here we are. And it sucks. I mean, I'm glad they got something to late round pick swap. I didn't expect anything else. Um, okay. So now the comp update is out. The Jets are sending Hardman in a 2025 seventh round pick to the Chiefs for a 2025 sixth round pick, which is pretty sure. standard. That That's the standard, like, Take yeah, this guy yeah. off our hands right now, and we just swap some picks just to make an official trade. Like that—that's the pretty standard. You give the guy in a seventh, and you get a sixth. Didn't didn't Miko Hartman get that jet chain? <laughs> didn't I, mean, he get I, hope, I hope he did. I hope it's still on layaway, and he can cancel the payments, man. <laughs> I hope he got, hope he get the receipt. Oh man, poor guy. I, I I feel bad for him. I genuinely do because he was just legit never giving a shot. Like, Twenty-eight he snaps he played in his Jets career. Four million dollars. Um, for twenty eight snap, hold on. Let me let me do some quick math here. So it was a four million dollar contract he signed for twenty. It's gonna be seven. It'd be or uh, yeah, or whatever it is. That's like, one hundred forty two thousand eight hundred fifty seven dollars a snap. I'd Remember that, that one throw Zach Wilson sailed him in the Cowboys game? That was worth one hundred forty three thousand dollars. I'd say I'll take that deal. I mean, I can't. I guess you can't feel that bad for him with with looking <laughs> at it that way. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Kansas City is a good landing spot for him. It's it's a shame. Like I, I I there's no way to like be like I like this move or I don't like it. It just felt inevitable. I don't like the overall situation, and I think that the Jets absolutely could have done more to get him involved, especially because you know if you if anybody's tuning in now after this and they missed our rant about Randall Cobb, rewind it like 15 minutes or 10 minutes because boy we just went off on Randall Cobb, rightfully so because and it's like I'm not shitting on Randall Cobb as a person, but as a player right now, provides zero value and Miko Hardman he would provide something like he would provide something now. I think even more so. Yeah. The jets probably got to go out and get add a receiver. Like I, I, I fully believe that probably should have done it in the off season. Unfortunately, I guess whatever, maybe they would have been more aggressive. Corey Davis, if they knew Corey Davis was going to retire, but still, I think at the deadline, you know, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. You really got to look into adding a wide receiver. And I'm not even saying it has to be like a Jerry Judy. It could be somebody more insignificant, like, I don't know, somebody from Carolina, like Terrace Marshall or something. Like somebody, anybody. He's not an improvement either, though. Not an improvement of a Randall Cobb? Well, I mean, he's not, he's not like, oh, if we get Terrace Marshall, we'll be a legitimate. I don't care. Anybody's better than Randall. And you know what we were saying about Zach Wilson like four weeks ago? That's how I feel about Randall Cobb. Anybody would be an improvement over Randall Cobb right Actually, now. more so about Cobb, because at least like I've seen positive plays from Wilson yeah. in a Jets uniform. Haven't from Cobb. It's true. Yeah, uh, Dan Dan is bringing this up too. A little, little dig at Elijah Moore here. Dan and Chad said, hey, it could have been worse. He could have demanded a trade in the midst of a win streak. I want to give credit to Miko Hardman. I think he's handled this pretty well. I know he's he made comments to Rich Samini. I know he made comments to Rich Samini, but I don't blame the dude at all for being upset. And he hasn't, like, made a huge stink about it. He really hasn't. He's not. Didn't he have that tweet like I'm going to tell my side of the story soon or something like that? And yeah, but that's that. Look, if a wide receiver is is not happy and that's all they trade or if that's all they tweet, I'm happy because that's pretty low. Consider the bar. I feel like the bar for for wide receivers tweeting when they're unhappy is pretty high. That's like Stephon Diggs mid off season, like just weird weirdness. Like that's that's what that is. <laughs> I I think I think he handled it fine, and now he's going back to Kansas City, which you know, good for him. I'm I'm happy for him. <laughs> 
I think it might be time, honestly, to move on to the award show now that I think we uh, we want to make sure we get those awards in because Miko kind of sidetracked us, especially now that one of our big changes involved the passing game and then maybe get him more involved and then not even 10 minutes later, bye-bye Miko Hardman. I think I had an award for Miko Hardman. I'm going to have to change that. But first, Mike, before we even get into those awards, I got a little little message for you and all of our friends from our friends over at DraftKings. Ah. Hey, Jets fans, DraftKings is running a new promotion that you won't want to miss. New users can place a $5 first bet to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. All you have to to do is sign up with our code FSBETS using our code FSBETS. Bets, that's F-S-B-E-T-S. It should be on the screen. Uh, not only gets you these great bonuses, but it also directly supports our podcasts. It helps us out in the process. If you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use our code F-S-Bets. That's F-S-B-E-T-S to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 or older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now, Mike, it is time for the Woodies. Uh, it can't be that. It can't. It can't be that. For anybody who missed the beginning of the show, they're probably very confused by that. But about, we're, let's yeah. just call them the Rogers, like the Oscars. Uh, I like having like E's at the end. The the Jetty, the Pressies. Pre- You're trying way like, too hard, like, man. The Pressies. I don't, like pressies. <laughs> I don't I, I like that at all. That's I think it. I like. I think I like Woody's the best. <laughs> Award show. <laughs> To be determined later, once we come up with a name that doesn't make us sound like six-year-olds, uh, the first, the first one on this, uh, on this dalliance that we will undertake is the MVP. Mm, starting off with the heavy hitter. Starting off with the heavy hitter, I feel like it's natural too. Sure. And uh, maybe this might be like starting with best picture, but I want to, I want to acknowledge the best player on this team, and for me, that's been Brees Hall. Brees Hall, in a way that he is not going to be this good. Just, I'm just going to, I'm not going to sound dumb for saying it, but it reminded me of the pre 85 Bears Walter Payton, where the Bears uh, would still all win. All right, the- all right, hold on. All right, DJ Reed. All right. <laughs> all right, no, because here's why he's not going to be that good, obviously, but literally the only thing they would do is run with Walter Payton 25 times a game, and he would still run for 1,600 yards a year, and they'd win a lot of their games. Literally, for most of the game, Half of the Jets plays are either Brees Hall or throw to Garrett Wilson. It's one of those two things. And Brees is getting the most touches, and he's been phenomenal, much better than I thought he'd be. That's why I was such a big Dalvin Cook proponent early on, is I didn't think a guy, I know he's young, but he's a bigger back who's going to be running through the tackles a lot off ACL surgery. I didn't think he was going to be this good immediately from the jump. And my God, has he been amazing. I mean, he obviously had the great game against Denver. Then against the Chiefs, he had a couple nice plays. The Eagles, he was grinding out some really tough yards against a very tough front seven. And then in Buffalo, he broke a couple big runs. This offense without Brees Hall, I don't even know if it's functional. That's how important he is. So if we want to get in that whole debate of, oh, he's the most valuable in terms of value he has to the team, I think it's clearly Brees. 
Yeah, that, that's exactly how I approach this too. I, I looked at it as if you take this player away, who is the most valuable? Like who is the most indispensable player on this roster? That if you take him away, the team doesn't work, the team doesn't function. And I also arrived at the same conclusion as you did. My MVP is also Brees Hall. I, I think that if you remove him from the equation and you take him out of the offense and it's Michael Carter and Dalvin Cook running running at, you know, running back and Izzy Vanacanda, this Jets offense doesn't score any points. Like, I, I fully believe that. I fully believe that they will not function without Brees Hall. And I, I, you, could, you could say a similar thing for Garrett Wilson. I think he's very close to Brees Hall in that respect, even if he hasn't had the same numbers that Brees Hall has had this year. I think if you take out Garrett Wilson and now your wide receiver core is Al Lazard, Almost, I want to say Michael Hartman, but it's not anymore. It's Al Mazard, Randall Cobb, and Xavier Gibson, or Jason Brownlee, or Irv Charles, or whoever. Like, if if that's your wide receiver core, that's that's pretty bad. Like, that's that's the worst in the NFL. That's the worst wide receiver core in the NFL. Which is why maybe they should have added a wide receiver. But I digress. So I was tempted to I was tempted to say Garrett Wilson. I was, but it's got to be Brees Hall. The offense does not function without Brees Hall. He is a, a cut above every other running back in the room by a a long stretch. Uh, and when he is on the field, the Jets offense actually looks dynamic when he's not on the field. And when it's Brees Hall or I'm sorry, when it's Michael Carter or Dalvin Cook, the offense is bad. Like it, it just is bad. I'm pretty sure with Dalvin Cook, they rank 32nd in EPA and with Brees Hall, they rank towards the middle of the pack. So I think that goes that by, by itself right there shows you how valuable and important Brees Hall is into this offense. And I don't want to hear about like, oh, you know, running back position value and all that stuff, because a running back can be the most important player in the team. I would say that the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey, is probably the most important player on that team. The Jets offense does not work without Brees Hall. He is the most valuable player on the team. Now let's go to the LVP, the least valuable player. I'm actually going to switch mine up because we just had a big, long rant on Randall Cobb, who I think we know who would be number one. So I'm going to pick somebody different, or rather I think some people, because it's a tie. It's a group award, and it goes to everybody who has played at either left or right tackle, mostly because I think Lakin Tomlinson has not been amazing, but I think he's been better than last year and certainly is serviceable. Connor McGovern has not been particularly good in pass protection, but run blocking, I think he's been very good. And that's this is the Jets are a run first team, so I'm going to be pretty happy with a good run blocking center like that who can free up big Brees Hall runs. He was instrumental in that big run against Denver that he had. And Joe Tipman been up and down, but for a rookie, put in the situation he's been in, I, I, I have to be very impressed with what I've seen from Joe Tipman. For a rookie moving positions, because he was a center in college, impressed with that. So let's look at how it started out. It was Dwayne Brown and Mekhi Becton. Becton, I'll get into first. He's been wildly up and down. It almost seems like depending on the style of rusher. If it's a bigger, strong guy, he can handle him. If it's a speed guy, he can't. And Micah Parsons got him. I know that Josh Sweat got him a couple times. Denver, he was one of the few guys who I think didn't really have an amazing game. He was kind of, depending on if he got Nick Benito, who was like a speedy guy, who would end up going to Becton. And then Dwayne Brown, who was the left tackle, and I know he's been hurt a lot, but when he played, Dwayne Brown looked every bit of 38 years old, and he's looking like a guy closer to retirement than the Pro Bowl level he was at with Houston and Seattle. And then Elijah Vera Tucker comes in to play right tackle, and he's been good. But then I look at the pass block win rate and the one bl- run block win rate, say that five times fast. <laughs> but oh. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's been good, but kind of not as good as I thought he was. Like, I thought he was, like, fringe top 15 lineman in the league, and he's a couple notches, I think, below that. And then he got hurt, which brings Max Mitchell 
back in the fold, who again held up pretty well for game one, but we've seen how extended Max Mitchell can go, and I don't have a ton of hope for it. So while the offensive line, I think, has been better than a lot of people thought it would be and is better than a lot of people seem to perceive it is, the tackle spot's really in question through injuries and through poor performance. So at the risk of giving Randall Cobb all of the worst awards, I'm going to give it to the collective tackle situation. Man, I can't believe you just said Elijah Vera Tucker is the least valuable player on it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Get a vacuum. That sounds awful. Uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll disagree with that. Um, I, I, I think that obviously about a lot of injuries there. Dwayne Brown, while he was very, very bad, obviously very bad, he was given nightmare matchups like to start the season. Also, I, I hate the win rate stats. I, I just, I really do. They rarely, like, I rarely agree with them when I see them. Like, they, I rarely look at win rate stats for me, ESPN's win rate stats. And I'm like, yeah, that's reflective of how they played. It rarely like it actually reflects how they played to me. Uh, so I, I think Makai Becton has been fine this year. He's had his ups and downs. Like you said, he's inconsistent at times, but I don't think he's a true liability. I think he's a starting caliber tackle. Uh, and Max Mitchell, I think he's held up pretty well the last two weeks, and especially as a run blocker. He's really impressed me as a run blocker. So I don't think there's a major, major, major concern with Beckton and Mitchell, considering that they've already lost two tackles. Like, I think being in the spot that they are isn't the worst. Um, so I, I, I'm going to disagree, especially because I don't give a shit that we already talked about him. Randall Cobb is my least, <laughs> my least type. I thought you were going to go with Dalvin. <laughs> no, I mean, because the thing is, yeah, Dalvin Cook is also just about as washed as Randall Cobb. I think Cobb's even more washed. But Cobb plays 50% of snaps. Cook doesn't. Cook is Cook played like nine snaps last week. It actually looked kind of okay. And he looked all right. Just, just for the sheer amount of playing time that Randall Cobb has, he has to be the least viable player in the team. Nobody else in the team, dare I say, nobody else in the NFL, I said this before, nobody else in the league is playing as many snaps as he is and providing less than what Randall Cobb is. I'm not going to go through the whole rant again. You can rewind and, and, and listen to that. I think it's at like the 15-minute mark, 20-minute mark, whatever it was, where we started going off. I read all the stats off because – just to put it shortly, he's the worst at getting open in the league. He has the worst hands, and he's the worst run blocker in his position. Those aren't, like, and it's not an exaggeration. All three of those are facts that stats can back up. He's terrible. He's awful. And, and he's I wonder worst. what uh, his yards of separation on average is. He's probably the worst there, too. It's probably. I didn't look that up, but it's probably got – if he's three times worse than anybody else in yards per route run, I'm sure he's pretty bad at separating, especially because his drop rate is so low. His drop or his drop rate is so high. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that he's clearly the worst player in the team. Like in terms of what he's providing, he is the least valuable player. And I don't want to pick on the guy. I know I've talked bad about him now for like 15 minutes, but like, yeah, he's, he's just bad. He's, he's, he's just really bad. So we're going to go to a two pronged award, the offensive and defensive players of the year. And in traditional NFL honors fashion, I'm not going to make the offensive player of the year, the same as the MVP. That's typically how they do it. So I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to give Garrett Wilson the offensive player of the year, because I genuinely feel bad for this guy because this guy has been put through the ringer of bad quarterback situations in his first two years. He thought he was getting Aaron Rodgers, and then what do you know, four plays in, no more Aaron Rodgers. I just feel bad for Miko Arman too because he signed thinking he would play with Aaron Rodgers, and then he never was on the field with Aaron Rodgers once, which had to suck for him. But with Wilson, it sucks more given his importance to the team. And still, he's producing. Now, again, I know part of it, is it seems lately that Hackett has basically told Wilson, all right, this is the play. If you're ever in doubt, just find Carrot and throw it to him, which is not a bad strategy. And it signifies the tier of elite receiver 
that I think he's pushed himself into, even in adverse circumstances. Like, there's a couple guys. Yeah, I know Minnesota says, all right, here's the play. If that's not open, find Justin Jefferson. Raiders go, if this play, if you know nothing's open, look for Devontae Adams. That's where Garrett Wilson is. And I'm hopeful that Rodgers is anything close to the Rodgers we come to know. And we get to finally see him with Garrett Wilson next year because if he keeps playing like this, I mean, he's going to be an all-pro, plain and simple. Yeah, I gave my offensive player of the year to Brees Hall, but it really, it doesn't matter. Like, honestly, you might have talked me more into Garrett Wilson there. Just like, if we're saying who is the absolute best pop, like player on this offense, it might be Garrett Wilson. Like, it's it's either or. Either way, both of them are, are phenomenal players who, again, if we're talking in value, this offense really does, realistically, it doesn't work without either of them. If one of those guys go down, I don't think this Jets offense works. And I think just in terms of their their talent and what they have been able to produce despite the situation that they're in, it's it's very easily both of those guys. I'll, I'll quickly go into my defensive player of the year. Um, to this point, like there's 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 a lot of talented guys in this Jets defense. Like I think it was last year, we probably would have said Sauce Gardner, Quinton Williams would have had a really strong case. Guys like DJ Reed, I think CJ Mosley is having an awesome year. Obviously, Bryce Huff is amazing. But I'm giving defensive player of the year to Quincy Williams. And I think that, you know, there's a couple other awards if we go through them that, that Quincy Williams might win as well because I don't know if you can find a player in the NFL who has made a bigger leap from last year to this year than Quincy Williams. Because last year I would have said that he was a below-average linebacker who flashed, who had plenty of flashes of greatness. And we always said if he could put it all together, he can be one of the best linebackers in football. Well, right now he is. He's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. The Jets have the two highest, you know, uh, if you care about PFF coverage grades, uh, they have the two highest linebackers with, or they have the two linebackers with the highest PFF coverage grades. Uh, CJ Mosley's number one, Quincy Williams is number two. Quincy Williams is having a fantastic season. It goes beyond the numbers. You just see his impact every single week. Uh, he's finally been able to put everything together. He's elite in coverage. He, I think, leads all linebackers in run stops as well. I think he's the best player in this defense, and you could argue he's one of the most irreplaceable players in this defense as well. Quincy Williams is my defensive player of the year. My defensive player of the year is Justin's guy, Bryce Huff, and he narrowly edged it out. I know the stats don't look the same as last year, but Quinton Williams, even though he only has half a sack, he's still getting into the backfield as much. And I remember on all 22 once in the Eagles game I was watching, there was one play where there were literally four linemen blocking Quinton Williams on one play, so – He's still getting attention. I think Quincy has a he should owe a lot of the success to his brother because he is getting to go into those backfields untouched and getting to fly around a lot. And Sauce Gardner, week one, kind of a not Sauce Gardner game. Pretty much since then, he's been Sauce Gardner. He's been giving up like two, three catches every game for like 10 yards, which is what Sauce Gardner does. So, But despite all of that, none of them can claim to have the highest pressure rate in the NFL, and I believe he's fifth in total pressures despite – having a lot less snaps than guys like Miles Garrett and Aiden Hutchinson in Detroit and TJ Watt in Pittsburgh. It's not TJ Watt in Pittsburgh. He's been hurt, but guys of that ilk, definitely Garrett and Hutchinson are at the top. That's where Bryce Huff is. And the every down concerns are eliminated. Now I got him early on because that's what he came into the league as. He was kind of skinny, almost like Will McDonald level. He was Will McDonald in a smaller, well, a smaller conference team at Memphis and a lot less hype. And the Jets snagged him undrafted. And they built him up into an every down run defender. He's never going to be Jermaine Johnson as a run defender, but he, he gets in the way. He's good enough there where he can make plays. And again, just as a pass rusher, what this guy's evolved into, how many guys in the league have that get off that he has? I mean, he might be the best in the league in terms of snap to rush. He's up there, certainly. 
And that can be the difference between being a good pass rusher and a great pass rusher. And he has this innate ability to do that. And it's only going to get better with time. Yeah, I mean, you don't need you don't need to tell me about how great Bryce Huff is. I mean, Jets fans have been have been banging this drum since last year. Uh, he is the best pass rusher in the NFL, snap for snap, uh, bar none. Like there's 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 nobody else who competes with him. And he has shown this season that you know what I think Jets fans believe for a long time is even if you give him more snaps, he's not going to get less productive. In fact, the last three weeks he has played his most snaps. I think over the last like three years in each of the last three weeks, his snap count has gone up and each week he has set a new career high for pressures. He had seven pressures against Denver or seven pressures against what is it? What is three games ago? Um, what was the, the chiefs game? Seven pressures against the chiefs, eight pressures against Denver and then nine pressures against the Eagles. The guy's unreal. Like he's completely unbelievable. And I'll just throw, I'll throw a couple of numbers out there just, just for fun. Um, I've been tracking this each week for the last three weeks. PFF has a stat called pass rush productivity, which basically just kind of takes everything into account with like uh, sacks, hits, hurries. And it's all relative to the amount of times that a player rushes the passer through six weeks. Bryce Huff's PRP is pass rush productivity is 17.1. The next highest among any other player is 12.9, which is Miles Garrett, and then 12.6, Micah Parsons. Bryce Huff is far and away the most productive pass rusher in the NFL this season. So you don't need to tell me how great he is. He is unbelievable. Uh, if he was playing even more snaps, I'd probably give him the award over Quincy Williams. And I think people are starting to realize now that Bryce Huff's no longer, like, the best-kept secret. Like, he's just a star. Like, he's actually on an aggregator account tweet about him. I'm like, oh, no, this- Two the jury's them. out, damn it. <laughs> it was so funny. All in one yesterday, you had Dove climbing and then like the JP football account or whatever. Both of them tweeted about Bryce Huff. And I was like, that's it. The aggregators have discovered Bryce Huff. It's over. And then today on the Pat McAfee show, JJ Watt was talking about Bryce Huff. And I'm like, oh no, they blew it. The Jets should have signed him two weeks ago before anybody was talking about him. Now everybody's talking about him. There's no more like tweets about, I think Ari Myrob tweeted about him. Like there's no more tweets where they show Bryce Huff. And people are like, who in the comments? Now it's getting to the point of like, oh, people actually know who this is. Uh, and so the Jets, they better extend this dude quick. The price tag is only going up. Now, most improved, my most improved was going to be Bryce Huff. So Fair. I'll go to my number two, my number two guy in that category. And the stats mm-hmm. may not show it, but I've just been blown away with him in the last couple of weeks. Jermaine Johnson has really been coming into his own. Yeah. Now, he, I don't think he's ever going to be a 10 sack every year guy because he was at Georgia before the one year at Florida State, and outside of the one Florida State year, he wasn't a 10-sack guy in college. He was an old-school 4-3 defensive end who stops a run, and that's kind of a dying breed in the NFL. Like, a lot of that scheme is not it's kind of falling out of favor with how much nickel and dime stuff's coming in and how much a lot of those guys just become sort of specialty pass rushers. Jermaine Johnson's a throwback, and he's stuffing the run, number one, but number two, he's already mashed his sack total from last season. And it seems like every sack he gets is like a huge moment in a Jets win. He had that big one where he chased down Josh Allen last year. He had the Russell Wilson one when they were driving. He pokes the ball out of uh, Dallas Goddard's hands and it leads to the interception for Quentin Williams. He gets in the backfield a lot against the beat-up Eagles offensive line. I'm impressed with Jermaine Johnson. And once they play Carl Lawson less and play Will McDonald more, if they can keep Bryce Huff, I know that they're going to have to rotate guys, but – Having Huff, McDonald, and Johnson on the edge, I mean, that's that's a hell of a pass rush team for years to come. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think there was there was a ton of hype around Jermaine Johnson going into the season. Like everyone was like, we, we talked about this I think last week. Uh, and I don't think during the first few weeks of the season he was kind of living up to that hype. But the last couple of weeks he's been on one. Like he has been on a tear in the last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously he was great against Philly. He caused the interception for Quentin Williams. He was really good against Denver as well. We're finally starting to see the Jermaine Johnson that we were hoping to see when he was killing it this summer. Uh, so I'm just excited to see where he goes going forward. I don't have him as my most improved player, but if you ask me in like six weeks, I might. I might just do that because I think he's going to just continue to get better. I mean, my, my most improved player was Quincy Williams. That I don't think there's another player, and we've talked about him a ton, uh, I don't think there's another player in the Jets roster who has taken a bigger step this season than Quincy Williams. Um, you could rewind like 10 minutes or 8 minutes when we just talked about him. Just for the sake of not talking about him again, I'll shout out Jeremy Rucker. Uh, I think he's becoming more a more well-rounded and improved player. He didn't, he didn't really play at all last year. We barely got to see him. But I would say right now he's an integral part of the offense. When he is out there, the Jets find success, generally running the ball, but I think he also provides value as a receiver. I would love to see him take on an even larger role moving forward. And honestly, if we add another change, we were talking about before, like changes the Jets should make. I like C.J. Ozama, but Jeremy Ruckert should be tied in too moving forward. He should be playing – 35, 40% of snaps a game. Uh, he's just a very important player to this team. So I, I, I would say that, that Jeremy Ruckert, if it's not Quincy Williams, I'll give a shout out to Jeremy Ruckert for most improved. And now, Justin, I know that you had some some like Lifetime Achievement Awardee-esque special awards that you wanted to give out to some of particular Jets players who were in your purview. So uh, let's hear them. What do you got for us? Sure. So I, I honestly, I didn't know how this segment was going to work. I didn't know what I didn't know what awards we were to do, so I just wrote down a shit ton, and I'll, I'll give you some of the awards, and I'll, I'll ask you who you think it should be, and I'll also tell you mine. We'll rapid fire these because they're pretty quick. Um, firstly, a couple like there's a couple of, like regular like standard ones like Rookie of the Year. We didn't cover that. I think it's got to be Joe Tittman. Well, right? He's the only one. I mean, he's the only one who's played. Yeah, he's the only one who's playing. Will McDonald has barely played. We haven't even seen guys like Izzy Abanacanda, Zaire Barnes, Jark Bernard Converse, Carter Warren. Like, it's it's got to be Joe Tittman. Unfortunately, he's hurt. Sounds like it might be long-term, but even if it is, he's pretty clearly the rookie of the year so far this season. Uh, I have comeback player of the year, and I have two guys here. And I think you could probably – oh, that's a great, great shout, actually, in chat. Xavier Gibson for rookie of the year. He is another one. I didn't think of that. I don't know why I didn't think of him because he was undrafted. Uh, but good shout by Cisco in in chat. Um, I think I'd still give it to Tittman for now, but Gibson has a chance to potentially win that. Um, but anyway, comeback player of the year. Mike, I want to hear who you think because I think there's two obvious picks. Um, but I want to hear who do you think comeback player of the year should be? Well, comeback in terms of overcame some sort of – personal issue like like I, how demar hamlin's gonna win comeback player of the year this year or like played badly and now is better hey, either or, however you want to interpret it i'm gonna go with golly is, is it zach wilson could it be zach wilson oh i wasn't thinking zach but that's not a bad call I, it's, literally it's, uh, the whole town wanted to behead this guy like yeah. a month ago or he's a comeback that, player. now he's He's a comeback player of the midseason. Like he came back midseason. Yeah, I mean for a couple weeks. Uh, golly, is it Makai? Makai is one of the two obvious. Makai and Brees are the two obvious ones for me. Yeah. Those Brees is the obvious one where it's like, oh, he had he tore his ACL legitimately about a year ago at this time, uh, and is 
come back and shown absolutely no signs of rust and is one of the best running backs in football. We already, we, we both agreed he was the MVP of the jets. So that he's obvious. And Makai, even if he, even if you want to say he hasn't been great this season, right? I think he's been better than you're giving him credit for. I think he's been inconsistent, but still solid. Uh, I, I just, the fact that he was able to come back from consecutive knee injuries, lose 50 pounds in the off season and come back and, and play every single game this season and move around from tip different positions. Like, how do you not give the guy credit for that? How can you not say comeback player of the year, Mackay Becton? So I think Becton and Brees are, are the two guys that I pencil in for that one. That's fair. How about, so this one was one of the, well, I'll skip this for a second. I'll go to this one. So biggest disappointment of the year. There's a few of them. I think we'll have different answers for this, but who's your For me, team? it's Dalvin Cook. I thought Dalvin yeah. Cook just had something left in the tank and he had less than nothing left in the tank. Yeah. Bank robber is what Dalvin Cook is. Stealing $8 million. That's a good one. The bank robber award. That would have been a good one. I, I had a feeling you were to say cook. Obviously I, I did not say cook because my expectations were cook for cook were very low. I don't know if they were this low, but they were pretty low. Uh, so my dis- big disappoint- biggest disappointment, we talked about him before it's Carl Lawson. I just, I was really excited for him, man. I was really, really excited to see what he could do when he was finally healthy and he's just not healthy and that sucks. So Carl Lawson's my biggest disappointment, not even his fault. He's just hurt. The guy shouldn't be playing. He's clearly hurt. Anyway, from that to what I dubbed the get this guy off my team award. (laughs) Do I even need to say it? No. Okay. So it's funny is I didn't give this to Randall Cobb. (laughs) Although I agree, get that guy off my team. I gave this one to Dalvin Cook. I wanted to give Dalvin Cook something. (laughs) I thought you were going to say Hackett. (laughs) No, no, I don't. I, I, I am less down on Hackett after he had a couple of good weeks of play calling, even if it's been ass since then. Um, but yeah, I gave this one to Dalvin Cook. Uh, who would you say Cook? Would you say Hardman? Or not Hardman? He's like good work. That actually already happened. Hardman already is going. Hardman then is off the team. Uh, would, would Hardman accepted Cobb? his award and then got on a plane to Kansas City. That was the award the Jets gave to him. Uh, <laughs> like get this guy off my team. They now, gave who, him a pink slip. That's yeah. what the that's what the award is. It's a pink slip. Who, who would you give that award to? I mean, it would have to just be Cobb, just because the level of the level of anger he stirs in me. Mm-hmm. is it, it drives me crazy because this is the biggest nepotism case you'll see on an NFL field in terms of a player because of another player this year. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's quite uh, frankly preposterous even. One might say ludicrous. Uh, Other <laughs> adjectives. <laughs> We've definitely talked a lot about Randall Cobb in this show. This, this, this episode has turned into a Randall Cobb roast, uh, which wasn't my goal, but yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think I have Dean Martin all of a sudden doing Randall Cobb celebrity roasts. I don't think I gave him any more awards. So I think he should be in the clear. Hopefully Uh, (laughs) the, the next award, which I just created this award just to talk about the player. It's the pay this man now award. And that's of course going to Bryce Huff. There's no one else this should go to. It's we don't need to talk about it. Just pay this man now. It's a simple pay pay sauce too. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I don't think he's eligible. He's not eligible for an extension yet. He's got to be th- after three years. Bend right? the rules. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, pay that, pay that man, pay everyone who what they pay deserve. him eventually. <laughs> yeah, but pay, pay Bryce Huff. Absolutely pay that man. Uh, moment of the year. Now, this is a fun one. I have one that I think I think should be the moment of the year, but I want to hear, I want to hear what you say. I'm gonna say, see, the obvious answer, which I don't think it'll be, was the punt return against Buffalo. Okay, that is my answer, by the way. I agree that's the obvious answer. That's that's the obvious answer. For me, I'm going to switch it up, and I'm going to say the Tony Adams pick. Ooh, okay, sure. Because that was just so, 
like that was so unexpected that you just thought, okay, here we go again. I've seen this a million times. The Eagles are going to run out the clock, and there's the game. And then he just threw it right to him, with no one, with no one really even close to Tony Adams. He just threw it right to him. Yeah, I, I, I like that choice. I mean, in, in terms of like which was more important, you could definitely argue the Tony Adams one was more important because that was like you beat an undefeated team that you respected. You nobody expected the Jets to win that game. I think just for the pure like emotional value of that of the punt return in Week One, I have to give it to that. Like you could not write a better story. You, you really couldn't. Aaron Rodgers goes down four games into the biggest or four plays into the biggest game the Jets have played in well over a decade, you know, since their last playoff game, I would say. Uh, and somehow that Zach Wilson comes in and they get to overtime against a really good Buffalo Bills team. And then Xavier Gibson, an undrafted rookie in his first game is the hero. And he wins the team game for the team. I think you got it. I, I think you got to give it to, to Xavier Gibson, but I don't blame you for picking Tony Adams. Uh, so we did, we did offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year. I want to give a shout out for special teams player of the year. Because I think there's a few options here. Honestly, the whole Jet special teams is is awesome, uh, and Brant Boyer deserves a ton of credit. But Mike, who is your special teams player of the year? My special teams player of the year. I mean, Justin Hardy has a good. He's got a case, but I can't turn down my guy Greg Zerline. Ooh, okay, yeah. They didn't have Greg Zerline. I mean, they win half these games. Half their offense is field goals. Yeah, um, Zerline. He he saved us against Philly. Saved us against Denver to a degree because they struggled in the red zone. I mean, Zerline has been bailing out Hackett to an unfathomable degree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's missed one field goal this year. He hasn't missed an extra point. He's been great, just like he was great last year. I, I didn't give it to Zerline just because I wanted to talk about this guy. Uh, I give it to Thomas Morstead, who I think is one of the best punters in the NFL. Also, the other reason that I'm giving it to Thomas Morstead. Are you kidding me? <laughs> should have mentioned this earlier, but we got an interview with Thomas Morstead that actually literally just dropped one minute ago. It dropped at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so check that out. You're unbelievable. He's my specialty as player of the year. Let's go, Thomas Morstead. Uh, hey, man, I in, in that interview, I said we got to start the Thomas Morstead for Pro Bowl campaign. Because amazingly, he's only been the one Pro Bowl in his career, which is pretty wild to me. Because uh, he's been really good for a long time. So Thomas Morrison is my pick. But a uh, shout out to, to Justin Hardy. Shout out to Greg Zerline. Shout out Thomas Hennessy. And honestly, shout out Herb Charles, what he's done the last couple weeks, because he's come in and played extremely well. Um, but yeah, anyway, check out that Morrison interview. Anyway, the, <laughs> the, so we got a, we got a couple more. Um, most underrated. I think this, how I interpreted this was most underrated by the fan base because you can be like oh Bryce Huff but I think Jets fans know how good Bryce Huff is so most underrated by the fan base I have two I have one for offense and one for defense we can go through it quick Mike who do you who do you think is most underrated definitely Quinn Jefferson because he's been I think he's leading the team in sacks outside of Huff I mean I thought this guy was just a complete dead-end rotational defensive lineman he's been a legitimate impact player to the point where he's getting some really high snap counts I've been very impressed and I feel like he's gone under the radar because he's not a big name I agree. I, I gave him a shout out when I did. I had um, him as signing of the offseason, which honestly there was not much competition for. But I agree. Quentin Jefferson has definitely been an underrated move that they've made. Uh, he's been a, a very effective pass rusher, which we knew he was. A, a, that was his thing coming into you know coming in to the Jets. He was a, is a good interior pass rusher, but he's been he's been quietly good. Uh, I have for defense. I think this guy just continuously gets overlooked by Jets fans and everybody. Like, I think Jets fans know he's good, but they don't realize how important he is. It's John Franklin Myers. Like, I, I just think John Franklin Myers is perennially underrated. Uh, we talked a lot about Bryce Huff this season. John Franklin Myers is 12th among all edge rushers in pressures. 
And he also doesn't play a ton of snaps. He plays like 55% of snaps, which is not a lot compared to some of the top head rushers. Uh, I believe Carter by Cisco in chat. Michael Carter second. Absolutely. I think he deserves a lot of credit as well. He's another guy who's just very underrated. Uh, JFM, by the way, and John Frank Myers and Huff are the only two like teammates, the only duo of, of edge rusher teammates who are both ranked in the top 15 in pressures. So I, I think John Frank Myers deserves a lot of credit as well. And on offense, Tyler Conklin. And I think Jets fans are also starting to realize how good he is. Uh, I think he is the second best route runner in an entire offense behind Garrett Wilson. I, I think he's a really, really, I think that's player. an indictment of the receivers. It is. It is definitely an indictment of like Al Lazard and stuff, but I, I think he's a good route runner. He's been he's okay. Lazard. I'll give him credit. Yes. I have not. I don't think he's been anything special, but he's been a little bit better than I expected. Um, but I think Tyler Conklin is just a very good player and they should find ways to get the ball in his hands more because he's also pretty dangerous after the catch as we've seen the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I have Conklin and John Franklin Myers, uh, I had signing of the offseason as Quentin Jefferson. I don't know. Would you disagree with that? I don't know if there's even one you'd put over him. Like, I feel like he's the one who worked out. I thought it was gonna we were gonna be sitting here talking about Miko Hardman, and yeah. here we are. Miko Hardman's back in Kansas City red. Honestly, legitimately, I'm not even joking. If it's not him, it's probably Thomas Morstead. Like, <laughs> the only other signing that has probably been a positive. I mean, Al Woods whatever right like fine technically yeah. rogers was not good in terms of what he's he was provided this year was well he wasn't assigning he wasn't assigning addition you know addition. i guess yeah. uh yeah i mean in the i guess in in totality uh, rogers has been a worse offseason addition than quentin jefferson uh, <laughs> <laughs> just in terms of what they provided um i this one was just just to get just to get this person an award uh just because i think it's pretty funny this is the the what does this guy even do award i gave that one to tim boyle uh you could also replace that with the does this guy even exist or the is this person a figment of my imagination award uh so how is this person in the nfl award considering his statistics does Tim Boyle even exist, Mike? Like, even if Zach Wilson got hurt, I'm not confident. I, I'm, they, there's a non-zero chance that if Zach Wilson got hurt, Randall Cobb would come in at quarterback. And I mean that. I'm not even joking. He is their emergency quarterback. And I think there's a non-zero chance they'd be like, well, what if we just had Randall Cobb run the option? Like, what, what if we just had him run wild? What if he came in and he threw for like 300 yards? Who, Tim Boyle or Randall no, Cobb? No, Randall Cobb. And we're like, oh, shit, he saved Randall the season. Cobb, I, I take it back. He was just out of position. That's it. He wasn't He wasn't the worst player in the NFL. He's, he's 33, and he was out of position for 10 years. Yeah, now he's finally making the switch to quarterback. He's the yeah, new, uh, oh, God, I'm blanking. Steelers quarterback slash. Uh, Antoine Randall L? No, 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 no. no. Oh. Cordell Stewart. Oh, Cordell Stewart. Okay, okay. Because Cordell Stewart, he they drafted him as a quarterback, and they had a guy there, so right. they put him at, like, punter and wide receiver and stuff just to get him on the field. So they call him Slash. <laughs> but yeah, I think Tim Boyle deserves that because you and I both know that if they needed to turn to another quarterback, they would be turning to Trevor Simeon and not Tim Boyle, which raises the question, is Tim Boyle actually real? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it could just be three children in a very tall trench coat. Shout out Bojack Horseman. He totally could be. Um, <laughs> Vincent Adultman. It could, be, could just be Vincent Adultman. Uh, last two awards, Coach of the Year. I, I think there's a couple of options for this one. Uh, but what do you what do you think for Coach of the Year, Mike? Tony Oden. Ooh, okay. I didn't think I did. I wasn't thinking assistance, but that's good. Tony Oden deserves a lot of credit. Tony Oden is the cornerbacks coach. I know Jeff Olbrick might be a common answer, but I feel like Olbrick, he does some stuff schematically, but this is Salah's baby mm-hmm. to a degree. Tony Oden, not only is he kept having Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed playing really good ball, but again, 
practice squad guys, Craig James yeah. had two targets and no catches allowed against the Eagles. And he was on the practice squad 11 days ago. You don't do that without a hell of a coach. I agree. Tony Oden's a great shout. That is not who I would have thought of, but that's a good call. Uh, I mean, I went the obvious route with one of I, I had two options I wrote down. I went the obvious route, Robert Sala. I, I think he's just gotten so much shit for no reason. Uh, I think I put this on Twitter after the Eagles win. You would be hard-pressed to find a coach who has done more with, like, what they were given this season than Robert Sala. I mean, he's pretty much coached the entirety of, of his coaching career, of his head coaching career with a backup quarterback. He has the Jets at three and three with wins over the Bills and Eagles. And if they weren't able to pull out that win against the Chiefs, which, it, you know, by all accounts, they very well could have, if not for some really questionable calls late in the game. We could be talking about this team being four and two with wins over the Bills, Eagles and Chiefs. That's remarkable. With Zach Wilson, at quarterback, not to mention how well the defense is playing. I think Robert Sala, if the Jets can, can string together a few more wins here, he's going to put himself in coach of the year consideration. So I think he deserves some credit. And then Brad Boyer. Brent Boyer, because the Jets might have the best special teams in the league. The, the, there's a reason that he's stuck around through three different regimes, which is incredibly rare for the NFL. I mean, he, he goes back to Todd Bowles. That's how long Boyer has been here because he's really, really good at what he does. Like, he's really good. The fact that they were able to get, you know, bring in Thomas Morrison and finally solidified a punting position. They got Greg Zerline, who, be honest, had a couple of eh, years with Dallas. Like, he was, he was, like, trending down when they got him, and he's been really good the last couple of years. Thomas Hennessy's a good long snapper. Justin Hardy is 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 elite at what he does. We know that. But they've also been able to go out and get a guy like Irv Charles and keep him around and make him a great gunner. Xavier Gibson is a very dynamic returner who won them the game in Buffalo week one. The Jets special teams is, is maybe the best special teams unit in the league. And I think Brent Boyer deserves a ton of credit. Anyway, last award, Mike. Last award. Uh, and again, this was just an award because I wanted to talk about this player. It is the most unlikely to save their career at the last possible moment award. And that has to go to Zach Wilson, to Zachary Capono Wilson, because how, how did we get here? Like going into that chiefs game, how, how did that even happen? I have no idea. I genuinely don't know how it happened. We had a whole episode about Trevor Simeon. We did. How, how soon can Trevor Simeon Dude, play? I changed my Twitter bio to Trevor Simeon is my QB. Like <laughs> I was so done, but somehow he rose from the, the, from the ashes and, and saved his career. It was 11.59 p.m. on his career. It was about to strike midnight, and, and Zach Wilson just, just played the best game of his career. So I want to shout out to Zach Wilson for, for saving his career at the last possible moment. Uh, so, yeah, I just, I, I just wanted, to, I wanted to give a little shout out to Zach Wilson. For anybody on Twitter who says I hate Zach Wilson, who says I'm too negative about Zach Wilson, man, shut up. Like, first of all, shut up. No, that's me. They're, they mean me. <laughs> but, but, but I get accused of that shit, too. Like, I, I defended him in, in these instances. Like, I don't know, man. Twitter thinks I hate Zach Wilson because we've reached the point of Zach Wilson discourse where if you say a single bad thing about him that he's not playing great, uh, you're just going to be like, everyone's going to be like, ah, you're just hating on him. He's playing so well. That's my Zachary. Like, he's great. And <laughs> anyway. Turn to mute fun. people from the state of Utah and it'll help a that, lot. That was, so. Mike, I enjoyed our uh, our first annual Woodies. I... It's that's it can't be the name. It can't be the name. I, I, that was that was brainstorming and now it got way out of hand. What is it? Pressies? <laughs> what do we want to say? Pressies? Jet Pressies? Press, now nah, Pressies sounds too like yeah, it sounds like sounds like something you'd win if you were like a good Girl Scout troop. You win like a Pressy <laughs> well, award. Pressy. I don't know. About <laughs> like I don't know. It needs to be something. The jet, the greenie, the gang greenies. The... <laughs> no greenies are amphetamines, so that doesn't work either. So. Greenies also like a dog chew toy or something. Am I making? Yeah, you have them to like help their 
Yeah, but in, in baseball in the Wait. 80s, greenies were amphetamines. So Wait, I don't I thought, want to go what, did you, what were you going to say about the greenies? I thought you like, that's like a bone they chew on. No, no, yeah, it helps with their. Pee. Oh, okay. I never mind. Anyway, yeah, all right. So now that we now that you've seen us brainstorm live on air and still get nowhere closer to a solution, let's just call time on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be. You get your podcasts. We're on all those sites and YouTube and TikTok at the Jet Press. Sign us off, Justin. I can't wait to do our next annual, or not even annual. Like maybe we can make this biannual. I don't know. I want to do another award show. They're very fun. I won't call it the <laughs> word that you don't like that I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, also yeah, before I before I do the sign off, check out our Thomas Morrison interview that just went live on on uh, our Jet Press YouTube channel like 12 minutes ago. Uh, Thomas is awesome. We've talked to him a couple of other times this this season or this year this was the first one we talked to him since like the post aaron Rodgers thing so i asked him about zach wilson he gave a shout out to herb charles asked him a couple of things at the end like who's the funniest teammate which teammate would you most want to be on a deserted island with stuff like that so it was, it was fun time michael clemens because then no no wildlife would attack me maybe maybe that's what he said i don't know or maybe he gave the yeah. cop-out answer and said his wife i don't know you gotta check uh well that's not his teammate his wife's not his teammate <laughs> hey man i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna press him a pre- pressy i don't know anyway 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 thank you we're gone too long man thank you all for joining us on the show today you can follow mike on twitter at by mike luciano you can follow me on twitter at justin t freed follow jeff press at the jeff press download jeff press podcast wherever you get your podcast also check us out on youtube and tiktok subscribe like Hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. We've been doing this for a while. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time and live immediately following every Jets game. Thank you all for listening to Jet Press Podcast. I have been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. See you guys next time. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.